0: hello everyone and welcome back to the best damn camp a riordan verse read-along podcast that sets out to read all the books by rick riordan in timeline order i'm your host fran and welcome back to the show today we continue our timeline journey as we start with percy jackson and the lightning thief Before I get into that though, I want to give a huge shout out to the fantastic musician who has created the incredible intro music for uh, this episode, uh, and that is my good friend Taylor Paisley French. Now I know you guys have probably noticed that the music has changed and I am just so thrilled and so touched that Taylor has made uh, this intro music, um for me and for the show um it's oh my god it's amazing it's rock out it's cool it's chill it's fantastical and um i just really love it and i hope you guys do as well um now for nickel anarchy as well the artist and for taylor i'm now going to be putting all of their social media into the episode notes you guys can go and support them on all their social media Uh, taylor is a fantastic musician who has eps out on like apple music and spotify nickel anarchy works for a pgo animation and does a bunch of other percy jackson artwork and a bunch of other artwork as well um and i'm sure i haven't given huge shout outs to the to the well at least to nickel in the past and now also to taylor um just because i appreciate you both so much and um yeah so guys go go support them if you can go follow them all that good stuff um and now i will get back to our regularly scheduled podcast (laughs) now like i said today i will be beginning the proper part of our journey with percy jackson and the lightning thief so originally I was going to be working through the books like chapter by chapter, but um, I changed my mind because I can't stick to one thing. Um, <laughs> so I will be going um through the books doing two chapters at a time. Mainly just because quite a lot of the books are actually that they're, they're even numbers. So, no, even, yeah, even. Oh, yeah odd is one three Yeah, okay yeah, even numbers well you guys can tell that i clearly failed math in school oh my god yeah so i will be doing two chapters at a time just because it works out much easier um it also means that i can read more of the books as I go through um go through the series doing this so today i'll be tackling the first two of the lightning thief i accidentally vaporized my pre-algebra teacher and three old ladies knit the socks of death And as we can tell, we are being introduced to the fantabulous titles of these chapters and I I can't wait to get going. So as always, I've my points to focus on. So today we've got the writing style, character introductions, and just generally what I thought of it. But to begin, here's the synopsis. Percy Jackson, waterbender in need of anger management visits the Museum of Plot, introduces his non-mythical best friend, and murders his teacher. Oh, but don't worry, it's all in his mind. Now watch out for the evil socks of death! (laughs) I slightly regret that last excitement bit, but oh well, it's happened now, and that is the synopsis. So what I'll be doing is basically going sort of chapter by chapter a little bit in this. So I'll be starting with chapter one, because it's the first chapter <laughs> um and just to summarize what happens in i accidentally vaporized my pre-algebra teacher now firstly we get literally the greatest intro to a book series of all time and you guys all know the line that i'm talking about look i didn't want to be a half-blood chills every time I read that line. And that whole first paragraph that we get is just incredible. It grasps our minds and our attention. Percy is warning us about reading this book. Anyone who recognises anything in this series, who starts to feel something, needs to put the book down because they will be in danger. To anyone who thinks all of this is fiction, he envies us because we don't know the pain that he will be going through and just in that first paragraph well collection that first opening sections shall we say we are hooked from the get-go and I just think that's it's just it's just fantastic. And then we go on to meet our lead character Percy Jackson and two clearly important side main characters in Grover Underwood and Mr. Brunner. Now Mr Brunner is that cool teacher we all had at one point, who was like friends with the students, was a really cool dude, um, a bit eccentric in the way that they taught. Um, and yeah, so that's what who Mr Brunner is in terms of story. He's also not the greatest teacher in the world, but we'll get on to that. And then we have Grover Underwood, the friend that we also nearly always have as well, or or are. In my case. <laughs> some, the person who is really timid, easily picked on, but is really loyal and caring to their best friend. And then we also meet some of our side characters in the form of Nancy Boba Fett. I'm just going to call her because that's, that's very clearly a Star Wars reference with her last name. I don't care, that's not how you say it. She is Nancy Boba Fett. She is a whiny, entitled bully who gets what they want And this is just a total side note, there's also a theory that for anyone who knows this character, that Nancy could possibly be Rachel Elizabeth Dare. Hmm. Don't know how I feel about it, but I am intrigued. Then for the rest of the summary, uh, we meet Mrs Dodds, the teacher who loves Nancy, and thinks Percy is the devil's spawn. (laughs) Ha ha ha. We then have a mini-story of Cronus. Percy shows himself to possibly be a waterbender because the water grabs Nancy and it's just a big what kind of moment um he also has a lot of anger problems um and has been known to blow stuff up nearly drown an entire class you know all things that you should probably go to jail for but whatever main character plot armor (laughs) I don't know I don't know what I'm talking about um, yes, Mr. Bronner, just generally a really bad chaperone. Um, then we have the introducing of actual Greek, not mythology anymore, situations when Mrs. Dodds turns out to be a literal monster who tries to kill Percy, demanding he give something back and, and that he dies. Um, Mr. Bronner comes in, gives Percy a sword and just a PSA here, don't run with sharp objects or kill people you are assuming to be monsters with with swords PSA over with and then kill Percy kills mrs. Dodds <laughs> um, and then when she dies quite quickly I might add uh, and disappearing into dust which gross because people inhale a lot of dust oh he's inhaled mrs. Dodds that's disgusting okay um. When he leaves the museum where she brought him in to try and kill him, no one knows who Mrs. Dodds is. She doesn't exist. Only Grover seems to pause when trying to say that, yes, she doesn't exist. But as Percy seems to respond, What? (laughs) What's happened? What is happening? Is he dreaming? Did he get a concussion or something? Like, what happened? And that's how the chapter ends, with a big, what? Um, Which is basically (laughs) my entire response to this whole thing, and probably anyone's response to nearly being murdered by a monster. But that is a summary of I Accidentally Vaporise, My Pre-Algebra Teacher. But let's go in for a little bit more of a deep dev. Now, what I find really interesting about just kind of the books as a whole, is how very clearly uncle rick has tied everything together there is so much fantastic foreshadowing that happens throughout the entire series um and we have this in the first chapter and most of the foreshadowing admittedly is for percy jackson and the lightning thief but there are a few things for heroes of olympus i mean it's very very subtle and not many people would have noticed it i only noticed it admittedly myself when I was going through and down, so basically I bought a second um collection of the Percy Jackson and the Olympians books so I could make notes in them because I adamantly refused to write in my originals and the ones that are so dear to my heart so I bought new ones um and it was there that I noticed that when Mr Brunner the cool teacher brings in like weapons um for like fun lessons and stuff like that which you know kids with problems weapons you know perfect mix um (laughs) it's noted that instead of it being greek swords or greek weapons it's roman swords and roman weapons now it could just be that percy got it wrong because we know that percy does get a few things wrong Um, which we will see in later books as well. But considering how well Rick does with his foreshadowing and tying things to the future, and kind of just in general wrapping these up and having these small threads to important things that happen later on, I wouldn't be surprised if this nod to Roman weapons and Roman things is connected to the Heroes of Olympus and the fact that mr b knows some things i was about to say so much plot stuff there but i kind of don't want to give too much away even though this is obviously it's a spoiler podcast i don't want to give too much away um but yeah so the foreshadowing in this chapter particularly is for the lightning thief but it's just it's just so well done some of it's a bit on the nose like the story of chronos <laughs> and um just kind of that story as a whole it's kind of it's it's on the nose mainly because i know the story for anyone else it wouldn't be that that on the nose it might slightly be in terms of figuring out the greek mythology aspect but for the whole story not so much uh which is pretty interesting pretty cool actually that it's kind of there at the beginning and you don't really realize it until much later on and then you kind of connect it a little bit even though usually most people forget what happened in the first chapter um another foreshadowing is the possibility of water powers now it's not fully confirmed in this chapter that the water did grab nancy and pull her in because that couldn't happen that would be magic and magic doesn't exist um but for spoilers sake it does it did happen so foreshadowing later on for who's Percy's parent um and then there is the monster aspect the fact that people are going to be coming after Percy for some particular reason particularly monsters with Mrs Dodds being the first one in this case and then just generally the thief debate Mrs Dodds demanding that he give something back knowing that he did it and this continues to come up in future as well at current we don't know what it's about but is that foreshadowed later on for that discussion. Um, and yeah, no, I just really love that Rick is, he is just fantastic for these sort of things. So um, full props to him for getting that in, literally in the first chapter, in a subtle enough way that you kind of can't really tell. Now, the thing that is always really important when it comes to first chapters and just kind of like the first books of things, or at least even the first few chapters, really, is the introduction of characters. And... This is possibly for me, Uh, there are a few other series that I absolutely adore um, and are really good for this as well. But this introductory chapter for Percy, introducing Percy as a character, may be one of the best ones that I've seen for character building and showing the relationships and personality of a character, literally in that first chapter. And it's it's just so well done, especially for Percy and Grover I find. Um, people may be surprised about the Grover element just because we don't get as much of Grover in this chapters as, as you would think would be enough to kind of get an idea of who he is as a character. But for me, I could tell who Grover was and what Grover was like almost straight away. But to focus on our main boy, Percy. What's really interesting about Percy's introduction and kind of seeing who he is as a person and who he is in terms of his relationships with people, we can see that Percy has issues um and if anyone has seen the lightning thief musical or heard the soundtrack at least because i will never be able to see the lightning thief musical unless it comes to the west end here in the uk so um you know um lightning thief musical please come to the uk i would truly appreciate it um or anyone on the west end if you may be listening please get the rights to the lightning thief musical so we can have it on here in the uk okay I'm done let's move on so yeah Percy has problems a lot of anger issues and and honestly it is completely understandable is it annoying every so often yes we'll not deny that it is frustrating on many different occasions because like there are some things that he says we kind of like a little bit bit entitled there mate Calm, calm it down um particularly in one sense in that He kind of gets frustrated at Mr. Brunner for expecting a lot from him. But I'll get to that later predominantly. I'll focus mainly on the problems and, like, anger issues and stuff. Um, And I know this is something especially for a kid with ADHD who kind of really gets lost in doing things is easily distracted. And I will admit I don't know much about ADHD. I probably should have done a bit more research into it when doing this. So if I get anything about ADHD wrong... um, please feel free to message me and let me know more about it but as a whole he seems to just be easily distracted he he struggles a lot in terms of kind of concentrating so he does things that entertain himself Um, in one case (laughs) I was using um, a cannon and actually figuring out how to fire a cannon his excuse for why he should have been expelled (laughs) He didn't mean to hit the school bus. My only question was, what the hell was he trying to hit? If he was using a cannon specifically to target something, what on earth was he targeting? And 100% he is on a terrorist watch list somewhere because any child who has tried to blow something up, probably for fun or for a laugh or because they were bored, they're on a watch list somewhere. I'm just saying. But in terms of his anger issues, it's qu- really quite prevalent throughout the whole first chapter and not as much in the later chapters, which is slightly surprising. Um, in that, like, he threatens to throttle Nancy. Um, he wishes he had punched Nancy at one point because of what happens later on. I mean, there's just lots of moments where he's just really quite physically... not terrifying, but as in, like, you feel like he could be a physical threat because he's very much like a punch-first, deal-with-things-later kind of person, especially at the start. Um, Admittedly, and I will tie this in, other than, you know, the the canon stuff, um, (laughs) most of his anger and violent issues that occur within this chapter are usually related to someone is being uh, picked on or being hurt Uh, Predominantly Grover, who Percy does explicitly say is his best friend, and I love that so much that they have just such a brilliant friendship. Um, And we see right there that from the fact that the only reason really he starts fights is usually to protect Grover or to stop Grover from being picked on or just to kind of help other people, we just get the sense straight away that he is just a very kind, uh, loyal just really good guy like yeah he's got these anger issues just generally and more often than not they seem to be tied into the fact that he just really struggles with his dyslexia and adhd but other than that he, it is just because he is a good person and i really like that but going on to his learning difficulties this is as someone who is dyslexic and also dyspraxic and also has dyscalculia yes i've got all the disses because i'm cool um (laughs) having a character i think this was possibly the first character in a book that i read that had something that was similar to me um i've had another one recently with actually the most recent doctor who series with ryan sinclair having dyspraxia i've never seen dyspraxia discussed anywhere else except recently also in the andy Max series on disney channel it's total side notes but um yeah so finally seeing characters that have things that most people don't discuss is really cool but percy was the first one for me um but what i find really interesting and it's something similar to me as well so like it's been known that i've had dyslexia and dyspraxia since i was about like eight or nine years old but it costs quite a lot to actually get proper diagnosis diagnose diagnoses i don't know um for kids in the education system because it means that the, the school has to pay for it the school has to um, then find ways to support the child and it's just a lot of a cost and at certain ages it kind of it's, doesn't benefit the school it sounds really bad It, it just, it's more that it just costs them and mo- the schools I went to weren't like the most well off so it kind of worked better for them to kind of not do anything which again sounds bad but... I can understand it and I like it's fine now. It sucked at the time, but I understand. So, I finally got diagnosed when I was in college doing my A levels um, and then finally got the support that I needed and did really well in school, thankfully, again. Because um, my grades beforehand were obviously horrific because I wasn't getting uh, the support I needed. Um, and then, when I did get the support, I was getting like B's, A's, and all that sort of stuff, um, which is really cool. Um, side note, sorry about that Um, but what's really cool is that even though he has really severe dyslexia it doesn't stop him from being smart he is still an incredibly smart person he is highly intelligent and his memory is brilliant Um, for example uh, when they are at the museum he was the only one in their class who could answer the question about Kronos and what the image was about and what the story was of Kronos he got a few things wrong, which, you know, everyone does like calling Cronus a god and then realising, no, he's a titan. Um, and yeah, he was the only one, so it shows his intellectual side. And there are just various other different things in other cases as well in um, in this chapter, the next chapter, and then throughout the rest of the series. Um, and considering a lot of people just focus on the fact that he he's a bit dumb every so often, it's frustrating because like, it's moments like this that show that he is... Intelligent, he knows what he's doing. There are just some moments in terms of common sense that he's not the brightest, and I can relate. Hard. <laughs> um, and we're getting onto the the bitterness side, relating to his his dyslexia and all that sort of stuff. Um, he is bitter in regards, especially when it comes to Mr. Brunner expecting better of him and expecting so much from him um it's fair that he's frustrated because like it's difficult for someone to expect so much of you when you don't have the ability to do that because you have these struggles but it's also annoying at the same time because it's like oh someone wants to help you it's just oh it's so annoying for you it's like oh no it's a big whoop someone actually wants you to succeed and believes that you can don't get angry (laughs) be happy (laughs) that a song? Don't angry, be angry, be happy. I don't know. I feel like there's a phrase somewhere. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. <laughs> um, I've lost my train of thought. I've, I've, oh, i feel like I want to Google if it is. No, I won't because I'm supposed to be concentrating. Um, on to the other characters. So yeah, Percy, really interesting. Occasionally has a few too bitter moments. Oh, I forgot to bring this up, to do with his intelligence. He set up a candy selling ring in school. Technically illegal because he shouldn't have been, but he'd set up basically a business whilst at school. Total businessman in training. Like, I can see him running a business. <gasps> a blue candy business. Okay, head cannon. Head canning, that's so much. Um. <laughs> But on to Grover now. And like I said, there isn't too much about Grover in this chapter, or at least to get enough of his personality and character, but there's enough to understand a lot about him. And the main things about Grover that we really need to know is that he truly cares about Percy. And because of that, he can't lie. And he really struggles to lie, which, admittedly, knowing that someone struggles to lie just makes them even more likeable. Like, even if they, they are, in a sense, but you can see that they're struggling, you know that they are a good person. And then, as a whole, it's clear that he wants to keep Percy safe. He wants to keep him out of trouble. Like, he even endures a bunch of abuse from Nancy just so people won't fight her and get in trouble. Like, that is dedication to being a friend. Like, you care so much that you would put up with someone being an ass. <laughs> just so they won't get in trouble with the score or won't receive the negative attention from it and also kind of helping him deal with his anger issues <laughs> in a sense by being like dude it's fine i like peanut butter it's all good it's all good it's fine it's fine um <laughs> which i think was the cutest thing i was just like oh like percy's station like oh i'm gonna kill her and grover just like, no it's fine i like peanut butter <laughs> i think that's oh. Grover is literally the biggest sweetheart in the world, and I love him so much, and we truly need to appreciate him more. Moving on. um, As a whole, in this chapter, the pacing, and this is something that's just really technical in terms of the writing, and I know not many people will be interested in, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I want to. The pacing in this first chapter is pretty fantastic, actually. Um, especially for the fight scene. Now a lot of people I know have often been like the fight scenes that Rick's that Rick does are kind of like a bit too fast paced where they go by quite quickly Um, and I can see that and I can understand that and I totally 100% get it but this is something that kind of I've observed a little bit and have seen in like other cases and um, I think it was on a TV Show or program, or s- I don't remember where it was, but it was something to do with adrenaline. And so the fight scene with Mrs. Dodds is intense. It's quick, like an adrenaline rush. Like it's going so fast that you feel like it's going fast. Like you're so built up with adrenaline and kind of fear that you just it just happens by so quickly. And it was the same with the aftermath as well. Like, the scenes following up after he killed Mrs. Dodds just feel like it's going so fast. Like, it's... Mr. Brunner's gone. He's outside. Nancy's laughing at him. No one remembers Mrs. Dodds. Grovy Grovey? Grovey? <laughs> Grover um, plays dumb but doesn't do too good of a job because he's a smart little angel. And then Mr. Brunner talks about his pen and that how Mrs. Dodds doesn't exist. End of chapter. But it's still because the shock and the adrenaline of everything that's just happened, he's just seen a monster, he's just killed someone, and now everyone is saying that that person doesn't exist. Shock and adrenaline are going to be, like, what's the word, are going to be, it begins with a P, um, pulsing? I don't think that's the word, but I'm going to go with it because I can't think of another one. Adrenaline and shock are pulsing through his system, and when adrenaline and shock are going through, you feel like everything is going so fast and so quickly. It can sometimes be the other case, where it feels like everything's going in slow motion um for me personally, it usually feels like it's going much faster, like I'm just not aware of anything that's happening and considering he also has a d h d as well um I guess it would also make sense for things feeling faster, like we see um, earlier on where he talks about how um, sometimes his brain seems to just fall asleep and he misses a moment where Mrs. Dodds was next to him but suddenly she was much further away. Um, We could tie that into the fact that she could possibly be a monster. Not possibly, she is, she is a monster. But we could tie it into her being a monster or just the fact that it's slightly with an ADHD sort of mind. Again, don't know entirely, but that is my my guess. Um, but yeah, but I just think it's, it works really well in that sense because it feels like it's actually happening. Like he's just had this fight and then suddenly it's over and then everything's changed. Everyone's gone, but no one remembers who this person is. No one remembers what's going on. Like it's going to feel fast because you're confused, you're in shock adrenaline rush everything's kind of like what the hell so everything is going to feel really fast and I feel like I've just been talking really fast maybe I've just had maybe I've just I don't know where I was going with that oh my god okay (laughs) um but overall for this first opening chapter it was a brilliant and quick start it helped introduce us to the characters we know who they are we know what they're like Um, Especially for Grover and Mr. Bronner. It's good to get that introduction of them of Mr. B being the cool but but useless teacher and Grover being the kind and brilliant best friend who just can't lie but cares so much. And then Percy just being a really intelligent, loyal, anger (laughs) management-needing preteen. And yeah, no, I just really appreciate it. But I do like that we get into the story straight away. We're straight into the Greek mythology. We're straight into the drama. Whereas, like, in, usually in most cases, we just have, like, like an introductionary chapter, introducing the characters, but not actually getting into the plot and the story. Um, like, in Harry Potter, like, we don't start at Hogwarts. We don't start with Harry at Hogwarts. We start with Harry at Pivot Drive and his experiences there and then learning that he's magic so yeah I just like that it really starts and gets into it um and then we move on to chapter three chapter three chapter two oh my god what is happening we move on <laughs> chapter two three old ladies knit the socks of death and just quick kind of summary of what happens percy originally believes that he is being tricked because somehow everyone has no idea who mrs dodds is but he knows something happened because grover can't lie for anything because he is an angel and then because of what's happened and the fact that And this is something that I'm going to bring up now, actually. No, shall I? No, I'll bring it up later. I'll bring it up later. I'll just make a note to bring it up later, (laughs) because otherwise I'll forget. Um, Because of what's happened, he is getting angrier, more frustrated. Uh, He begins to fail his classes and start more fights. Um, And he's told that he won't be allowed back to Yancey. I just realised, I don't think I actually mentioned the school's name in the last chapter. Oh, well. He won't be allowed back next semester. Uh next, next next year, sorry. because uh, that leading up to the summer. He then overhears Grover and Mr Brunner talking about him, about him being in danger, um kindly ones and then in his panic he runs off. Uh there's also a mention of a summer solstice deadline which has everyone pretty confused. I say everyone it's us the audience and Percy. <laughs> um and And then we have the evidence that, again, Mr Bronner is the worst teacher and he's the worst pep talk giver and just doesn't seem to understand children. (laughs) Um, We have then Grover and Percy heading back into Manhattan and we see some creepy ladies with the socks and seemingly with a, a kind of death like a prophecy with a sniffing of a string and Percy asking does that mean someone's going to die and then Grover starts to freak out um, that no one survives 6th grade um, which you know great vote of confidence G-Man and um <laughs> Jesus Christ irony that greek mythology jesus christ um yeah socialty is not his strong suit whatsoever in this regard um and percy is justifiably freaking out because grover is looking at him like he's planning the flowers for his funeral and that is the summary of three old ladies knit the socks of death and i'm going to go back to that point i was going to bring up at the start just because I think this is actually really quite important, especially for what comes later, and basically throughout the whole series, everything to do with Percy. And that starts here. So he talks about how he's been having nightmares about Mrs. Dodge and like waking up in a cold sweat and just imagines like her talons grabbing her in his sleep and stuff like that. And this is basically kind of the start of his PTSD. And this is something like that's going to come up much later in Heroes of Olympus, but also throughout the books. And it's, it's an unfortunate thing that isn't discussed. Um, and I think it's unfortunate, unfortunate that it's not discussed because it is really important. And it is the, the mental health of these characters. And yes, I know I'm getting really serious, but I can't, so I'm going to. These kids have, are going to go through some horrific things. And the fact that the mental health and the effects of what happens isn't really discussed, I think is a real shame because him waking up in a cold sweat with nightmares is what happens more often than not with people with PTSD. It's not a common, it doesn't happen to everyone with PTSD, but it is a really common side effect. And is it called a side? Symptom. Symptom, I guess, is probably what it's called. And him having that happen after. Mrs. Dodge trying to kill him and him having to kill her, I believe, is what's led to the start of PTSD. And considering everything that happens in the future, it's just not going to get any better. And that's a total side, very dark note that I just had to get out there. <laughs> um, but yes, so just from the main point of this chapter, <sighs> Percy is quite frustrating in this chapter um it's understandable so his actions are understandable if a little bit sad um and sad in the sense that like you really do feel for him because he feels like he's going crazy and he's angry because of that he's angry that he thinks everyone's playing this trick on him he's angry that whatever's happening is affecting everything he he's reacting badly his adhd and dyslexia are not helping the situation and he feels like a failure um and this is the thing so this is something that goes a lot with percy and that is his learning disabilities and someone with learning disabilities i i totally get that and throughout this chapter, we see that he, he his grades have gone from like Ds to Fs. He's starting more fights. He's he's just angry all the time. And for someone who most likely now has PTSD, someone who's gone through something that is traumatic and just doesn't understand because no one remembers this person like he remembers, He's he tries so hard at school, but also he doesn't because it's so hard. Which is... It, that is just classic for someone with a learning disability like oh, this is the one scene that I, um really really gets to me and it's i think it's his english teacher who call who basically says why is why are you so lazy to not do the work um and calls him lazy basically and percy calls him an old sot which good for him because that guy sucks and to have a teacher who probably knows that Percy has ADHD and dyslexia tell him that he's being lazy and like why are you so lazy for not doing the work is something ugh. yeah I'm just as someone with dyslexia dyspraxia dyscalculia I was often made to feel like I was lazy I, I would do the homework just because my anxiety wouldn't let me not do it but it was never to the standard that was acceptable because it was just really difficult for me to do and it was just really difficult for me to kind of get it and get it right and then to be made to feel like a failure like I was unintelligent and this is the thing that I know like the hierarchies that people have in schools I 100% get why we have them but there was this thing so all of my friends and adore my friends adore them but they were all so much more intelligent than me um and so we had this thing at my school called the gate group which was for gifted and talented education and that alone you know messed me up because i was what was known as the the average group so we got we had average intelligence we had average support we had average classes And then you have, like, gifted and talented and then, like, the troublemakers. And both the troublemakers and gifted and talented got a lot more support, got a lot more recognition, got a lot more gifts for doing good things. Whereas everyone in the middle, no one really cared about us. You did your work. It was fine if it was good. If it wasn't, you were a failure. And 100%, that was not what the school was intending but for kids that's the way your mind works and for Percy to then be told by his teacher even though he was trying so hard and was doing well until everything bad that happened happened to be told he's lazy to be kind of made to feel like a failure it's no wonder that he's reacting badly and it's no wonder that he kind of he no longer feels anything about the fact that he's being kicked out of school because he feels like a failure which is such a common thing with people with learning disabilities you feel like you aren't doing enough you aren't smart enough that you aren't good enough and so that line really got to me when i was reading this and <laughs> examining it at that level um and yeah it's just it's just really frustrating um thing to under- to go through and to read um but i think it was really important that rick put that in And I I just love that there is such a focus on ADHD and dyslexia in this series Um, and how it ties into how it is uh, disabling, but also the positives for it in terms of being a demigod. And I'll get onto that later on, because obviously we're not there yet. Um, But what else is interesting, this is Mr. Brunner is like, he is the worst teacher in the world. (laughs) Like... So Percy's been told that he is not being allowed to come back to Yancey. Um, How does Mr Branagh respond? Tells Percy "Um, you didn't belong here and you aren't normal. Dude, this kid already feels like a failure. Clearly is miserable and your way of dealing with that is by making him feel worse. Like, you, you don't make a kid feel worse when they're already down, you ninny. I just... Oh. I, I'm just... Oh. I'm just... Okay, full spoilers here. This is why they have satyrs go undercover and not adults. Although I guess technically satyrs are. But not like immortal... I, I don't know what I'm talking... Mr. Brunner's an idiot, and he, he shouldn't have been allowed on this assignment. But I understand why he was. But he, he's still a terrible teacher. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, okay. I'll move on from the stuff that annoyed me because um, it's just—it's like it's a nitpicky thing. It's not like it made the story bad, but I just <laughs> character-wise, I was like, damn it, Mr. Brunner. And then other character-wise, I'm like, oh, Percy, no, you're, you're a good kid. It's fine. Um, I love Grover in this chapter. He's so desperate to protect Percy, but he's also so desperate not to fail again. Now, we don't know what this failure is, what happened before, or or what is going on with this whole Percy situation, and what is, or even what kindly ones or anything like that are about, or even this summer solstice deadline. We know nothing. All I know, and obviously, I do know everything that happened, but all I know from this chapter is. I don't want Grover to be upset because he cares about Percy so much. But this also shows the similarity between Grover and Percy for me. It shows that they're both afraid of not being enough, but of also being failures. And I think that's kind of what bonds them together. They're kind of like what's considered the loser level of kids because kids are cruel. Um... (laughs) And they banded together because there's so many similarities between them. Um But just as a whole, Grover really goes hard in this chapter. Like he he doesn't want to lie to Percy. But he will lie to him to protect him. Um, you know, of course when he then hears that Percy saw these old ladies cut cut the string that they have, he freaks the hell out and in turn freaks Percy out um like the the mournful look um at Percy as if he was picking the flowers out for his funeral like damn dude calm down <laughs> um yeah so the the dynamic between Grover and Percy in this chapter is great even though there's clearly a barrier between them because Percy knows that Grover is lying about something and then Grover also being sad and frustrated at himself because he's having to lie to someone he considers his best friend and is his best friend their dynamic is still, like, on point. Um, and this is just a random kind of writing thing. But the weather foreshadowing in this chapter is... But that's not the term that I want to use, is it? Um, is it pathetic fallacy? Hold on. I need to Google this. Pathetic fallacy. Uh, okay, no, it's not. That's not what I want. Wait, no, is it? Hold on uh oh no no it is it is pathetic fallacy wait i'm questioning myself okay,, i don't want to use it because then i'm going to feel like it's really stupid if it's wrong um i'll just call it anyway so the pathetic fallacy for the weather in terms of like foreshadowing and stuff is really really good there's like an entire paragraph dedicated to this this insane weather that they've been having Um, there's been discussions of it in the previous chapter where, um, Rick had a very brilliant environmental message about how it must be global warming. Like, even back when this book came out, Rick was educating us on global warming, um, which, like, huge props to him for that. Um, but in this one, there is a foreshadowing of a war coming. And considering that it's all heading for Yancey and for Percy, um, (laughs) even though it's it's not yet shown that whatever is being accused of him whatever is coming his way that grover mr brunner and mrs dodds were talking about he never stood a chance like it is coming for him whether he knows what's happening or not i think that's really really sad but just that entire chapter dedicated to all the crazy weather is just insane um I don't know if you guys can hear it we've actually got crazy weather here at the moment now like an entire storm is going on outside so I hope it's not being picked up <laughs> on the audio although the moment I mentioned crazy weather it would have been cool if you guys heard it we am getting off topic but yeah no that just those first two chapters were just brilliant like, there's a lot of things with like there's some there's some dialogue issues like when uh, Mrs. Dodds I think yeah no it would be in the first chapter because she's dead by the end of the first chapter um, when Mrs. Dodds calls out die honey when um, Percy uh, when she's charging at Percy that was a bit on the nose and a bit a bit much just generally because like her phrase was like whenever Percy was in trouble she'd say now honey. And, like, that was fine. I got that because it gave her sort of a creepy sort of nice but a bit of a horrible person kind of mentality. But to have her say it when she was, like, calling out for him to die, a bit much. Um, Admittedly, the whole calling out die would have been a bit much anyway. Just don't have it as a whole. But other than a few dialogue issues, these two first chapters are really pretty solid. Um, We've got some great character introductions. We've got the beginning of the inciting incident. We've got the beginning of the plot. Um, And it's all leading up. And yeah, like what I mentioned before, I really like that we are getting into the story straight away. Uh, Like, I often dislike when things go too fast. Uh, Like, I'm reading a book at the moment which everything is way too fast. But in the case of Percy Jackson in these first two chapters, the pacing has worked so well that it doesn't feel fast. It feels like we're just, we're learning things at the same time as Percy. The only reason it feels fast is because Percy is confused and overwhelmed. And I think that really works in the feeling of it being fast. We're feeling Percy being overwhelmed in the writing. And in turn, we're feeling it ourselves. Which is just, it's just generally really cool. Um, But yeah, no, those are the first chapters. So that is, I accidentally vaporised my pre-algebra teacher... And Three Old Ladies Knit the Socks of Death, Chapter 1 and Chapter 2 of The Lightning Thief. And yeah, I, <laughs> I can't wait for, to get on to the next chapters, Um, where I may actually have a special guest next week. I'm not going to confirm anything because I don't know if I can. But yeah, now before I sign off, I have some pretty <laughs> fantastic news. So alongside... Um, the, the fantastic person I mentioned last week, Chariton, doing reviews per episode. I've actually received some mini-reviews on um, for for the show from some, some fans, I guess I could say. Um, I received reviews on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts, as well as a bunch of ratings on Apple Podcasts as well. So to everyone who has left a rating, I truly do appreciate that. But for the reviews that I have received... The one from Stitcher was from a very passionate Percy Jackson fan, and I appreciate that, whose name is Perkabeth Forever. Now, I know I'm saying that differently to how most people do, but I say it Perkabeth so don't you dare judge me. Now, Perkabeth Forever says, Amazing so far. I've been a PGO fan for years now and keep finding new podcasts to listen to. And Best Damn Camp is now on my list. Can't wait to hear what comes in future um thank you for that review that was really lovely and yes there are so many fantastic other podcasts there's floor 600 radio camp half blood um there's a new one that may possibly be coming out soon i've been talking with someone um i i won't be on it because i have too much that i have to do already um but you know there are so many great podcasts out there and i'm i'm glad that you are adding me to your list i really do appreciate that i'm touched by that Uh, The other review is on Apple Podcast by Melwell. I've been a PGO fan for years and listened to all the podcasts out there. Well, everyone listens to everyone else's podcast. I love that. Supporting everyone out there. Love it. But love hearing new perspectives. Timeline order is an interesting take. Thank you. And so looking forward to how it plays out narratively. Can't wait for more and hope more people find this podcast. I'm a daughter of Athena too. Oh, very nice. There are quite a few people who are um, like children of Athena. I think Athena's like the coolest one. Um, Obviously, Artemis is my main, my main girl Um, (laughs) because I'm a hunter. But yeah, no, thank you for that. And I really do hope more people find this podcast as well. I do appreciate that. And yes, timeline order is interesting. I'm intrigued to see how it's going to go for me myself. Um, But yeah. Thank you guys for those reviews and of course if anyone else wants to leave a review you can do so on i think it's mainly on stitcher and apple podcast you can leave reviews um i don't know about any other of the other platforms but yeah those are the main ones um and obviously last week i set up and started um question of the week i've actually had some responses which i'm really glad about that as well so last week we had the diary of luke castillian Um, And the question was, would you say it's important to learn the backstories of characters? And so what should a backstory reveal about a character? Now I had a few um, answers on uh, the post that I did for it and a few uh, PMs as well. I say a few I've had three in total, but anyway Um, So from and I'm really sorry if I butcher anyone's name here um, Salvador 2? that's probably not how it's said I'm really sorry from Salvador 2 on the post they said some characters need to remain enigmas wrapped in mysteries especially if they have a role to play later on that is totally fair and I do I do agree with that especially for certain characters like it's like you wouldn't want to know everything about everyone because you know that is going to take away the mystery I it's good to have some but yeah definitely not everyone so I agree with that Um, From Daughter of Aries, 56. uh, We need to for some of the characters, like most of them, because maybe in their past, it's the reason why they did what they have done. I totally agree, which is why I really like that we have uh, Luke's backstory, because it gives some uh, perspective to why he does what he does in future, um, and kind of what led to that point. And then from Hot Stuff Valdez. Yes, the thing is important to know the backstory of a character after finishing the story, just like how Rick did with Luke. Luke's backstory was released after his first debut in The Lightning Thief. I think the releases of Luke's backstory after the actual story made me as a reader feel like things finally made sense. I personally like reading the backstory of a character after finishing the actual book. That's my opinion on backstories. And we need a Sally Jackson backstory! I 100% agree with you on the last one. Stanley Jackson deserves her own book. <laughs> um, and yeah, no, I totally see your point. Like, it makes so much more sense to kind of get their backstories after the fact. Kind of like what they're doing with the um, the Hunger Games now. We're getting... Uh, I can't remember the name of the book. A book from um, President Snow's... Like, his story, like, where he began. Um, so him as a kid. It may not work in his case. So I'm intrigued to see how it's going to go. But yeah, it's... it's it's usually better to get the backstory after the story um in terms of timeline obviously Luke's story has come beforehand um but because we don't really know at that point what happens to Luke in the future having his story first kind of just kind of adds to the sequence but you know I totally agree and it does make more sense and it works as a reader as well to kind of finish the story see what happened to like the antagonist and then getting their backstory um so yeah, no, I totally I totally get that. Um, but speaking of the question of the episode, though, I have a brand new one for today relating to introduction chapters. So this week's question of the episode is... It said that the starting line for Percy Jackson is what draws people into the story and the world of demigods. If you were trying to persuade someone that they were a demigod... What would you say to catch their attention? All right, so as always, for the question of the episode, I will be posting them on my Instagram um, for Best I Am Camp um, on a post. So you can comment your answers there. Uh, you could PM me or send us an email and let me know if you do want me to read out your answer on the show. Um, as always, though, thank you all for joining me for the start of Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. Be sure to join me next Wednesday as I tackle chapters three and four, hopefully with this special guest. Um, before I head off, time to plug where you can find our podcast. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, where you can leave a rating and a review, Stitcher, Deezer and Audio Boom. In the meantime, between episodes, you can find The Best Damn Camp on various social media at pod on Instagram and Twitter, and on Tumblr at the thebestdampamp.tumblr.com. If you want to email me with your thoughts, you can email the Camp at hotmail.com, and I will read it out at the end of the show if you wish me to. Again, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, I have been Fran, your very own Hunter. And I will see slash speak to you guys next time. Bye.